All right, this is part two of that continuation of you graduated from college, you have a year of eligibility left due to COVID, <clears throat> and what do you do? So uh, if you listen to the previous episode, I've received a lot of DMs over the last couple weeks and actually a couple emails from athletes, track and field athletes, thrower specific, who are interested in coming back next year, 22-23 and asking for some advice. Uh, one of the emails was actually, hey doc, which I thought was really cool, um, that athletes are thinking about using that COVID season to come back and compete one last time, one last ride, if you will, to bring the band together. And I shared some tips and maybe some things to think about before you embark on this um, journey. So the first thing I talked about, just to recap, is you need to find out how many credit hours you need to be eligible to compete. Because full-time, any other season, uh, would be 12 credit hours. So at least four classes. Uh, I guess it would be three classes if you have labs for all of them. But I don't know how many you know classes you would need for that. Anyway, so you're going you're gonna to know how many credit hours you're going to need to take in order to be eligible to compete. Two, What's, what kind of financial risk is that? I don't know if it's a risk if you're working on your education necessarily, but what kind of financial stake is involved? You know, is there gonna be like a well, scholarship, I guess, and maybe D2 or D1, but D3, there isn't gonna be a scholarship. Are you gonna be eligible for like any type of like awards or financial aid that you don't have to pay back, I guess? So what type of scholarship opportunities, academic, are available to you? Obviously, you want to talk to your coach about that. <clears throat> you know, let them know before maybe going down the path of uh, contacting people at the college and the registrar and admissions and saying, hey, this is what I want to do. Talk to your coach. They'll be able to talk to the athletic department. Or hopefully, there's some type of guidelines or um, some type of protocol from the NCAA that says, hey, this is what you do when you want to uh, come back and use your COVID year of eligibility, which would be really great. Um, have some routines and rituals like in place or start thinking about how is that gonna be feasible for you, right? So um, some colleges allow their athletes to take online classes. Well, if those athletes are like 60, 80, 100 miles away from campus, they're going to take online classes and they're never actually going to be on campus how are you going to make that happen what are you going to do right how are you going to be able to train if you're not going to actually drive to campus do you have a facility that you might need to get permission to use to be able to practice right so if you're going to throw shot disc it might be a lot easier because most high schools have a shot circle discus rank someplace and then if you're gonna throw the hammer or jab might be a little bit more difficult you, know, you might have space at your house but you need to think about these things gym uh, most communities have like a gym maybe in your high school too right there's some type of fitness equipment might not be as important as the the throwing space uh, you know if, if one of my athletes was gonna ask 
and they just, you know, competed at nationals or they just misqualified for nationals and they wanted to come back. Um, I wouldn't be as concerned about strength as I would be about technique and getting reps in because really you're going to need to get the reps in. Um, it might be more important at that level than it would be to, uh, you know, increase your bench by 10 or 15 pounds, obviously throwing farther. And then most importantly is why would you want to put yourself through all that again? And that's really interesting because as I mentioned in the last video, if it was me, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, I had a unique situation at Fredonia where I was already going to be going to grad school. So as far as credit hours, I was already enrolled. I was going to be full-time as a grad student, so I was taking three classes. I could have competed, uh, but I was also living across the street from campus. And by the time I enrolled for grad school, I hadn't uh, been offered my teaching job yet, <clears throat> and I didn't officially become the assistant track throwing coach either. So I was going to have a facility to train at and be you know, enrolled in college full-time, so I would have been right there. Uh, so no-brainer for me. But for others, depending on how your season ended, you really need to think about and dig deep about why would coming back for one more season be that important to you? And I'm not trying to deter anybody. If any of my athletes came and asked, I would say, yep, this is what you need to do. You need to talk to Tim. You need to have Tim talk to the athletic department, the three of you or the four of you, whoever is going to be involved. You need to sit down and you need to figure out how this is going to work. Get you enrolled for the spring semester so you can compete uh, in outdoor track. This is what your schedule might look like. This is how you're going to get coaching. This is the facility hopefully you might be able to use back home. Like I would start laying all of those things out now, even though today's July 11th. I would start trying to figure this out now. Especially if you're gonna train at a high school, <clears throat> you need to get permission. You can't just show up like you used to be able to. Uh, when I was uh, post-collegiate, I'd just show up at a high school, fill in my hammer divots and leave and just hope that <laughs> I didn't get caught. A little different now where you really just can't do that all the time so getting permissions and just figuring out if they're if it's really feasible like if there's really a chance that this is going to be able to work out for you and finances aside right if we're looking at training for something like this and you don't have a full-time job you know like 300 hours or 400 hours or 500 hours of training might not be that difficult to schedule into your you know daily routine over the course of 26 weeks. Now 26 weeks would be indoor and outdoor combined but for the outdoor athlete who the season really doesn't start until the end of March until the, until the end of indoor nationals really you're looking at from today, what's that, like six months of training? You got July, August, September, October, November, December, or six, January, February, and then March. So you got nine months of training before your first outdoor competition. 
nine months of training if you compete in March. That's a lot. That's a lot of time to stay motivated. That's a lot of time to stay inspired. That's a lot of time to really dig down and figure out why why you want to put yourself through that. So for the athletes that reached out that did not have stellar, I don't know, I guess national championship performances at their respective nationals, and you want, you know, some revenge, or you want to come back and, and, and change the color of the medal you earned or the place that you were awarded, you really got to think about, is it worth all of that? If you're on the cusp, I think you really need to think about it. <clears throat> and like I said, this is not to deter anybody or to um, you know sway anyone's decision. I just maybe be the voice of reason for some who are thinking about doing this, and I'm just gonna you know, maybe throw like six, seven, eight thousand dollars away frivolously to earn you know. Uh, award that's going to be used maybe as a you know paperweight or put on your mantle someplace at some desk uh, when you wrap up the season in your career it's a good talking point for dinner parties etc but you really need to think about why that is going to be important to you you're going to need to think about who else am I going to need to receive maybe help with or help from like how is that going to work if I'm training at a high school obviously you're going to need to maybe talk to your former high school coach or some administrator there to get permission to use the facility uh, a gym you got to get a gym membership maybe unless you train at your high school so then you don't need a gym membership are there any new skills is there anything else new that you need to learn that's going to elevate performance so for those that had really great seasons as far as like performances and distances and were really crushing it all season and then got to nationals and maybe just the one-off meet that you had was at nationals you know it doesn't really define you as a person or your career like one bad meet I mean blip on the radar all the cliche things. Nobody uh, will probably, I don't want to say care, but really, you know, you get into your job and you're a teacher or, you know, you go to law school or you go to med school or whatever. Nobody cares how far you threw a national something. So, <clears throat> plus I've never had anybody ask me how far I threw a nationals. I never came close. Uh, but nobody ever asked in teaching, like, how far I threw or anything like that. So you really don't need to worry about that, I don't think, depending on whatever your career is. Um, so there's really a lot more to it than just, you know, re-enrolling and trying to figure out how you're going to make, how you're going to make that happen. So really think about it. Hopefully some of the, I don't know, topics I shared are you're able to uh, 
think about and invest some time uh, because you really have until what, like October to make the ultimate decision on if you're going to enroll. Right? You don't have uh, two pro classes until right October, November. So you still have like three months to figure out how the situation is going to work out for you. Uh, and who and what people do you need to bring together to make sure that you are going to be able to actually move forward with this endeavor. A lot of stuff to think about. Any of my athletes came and asked, I'd say, sure, let's do it. Let's put a plan in place. If you really want to, <clears throat> we'll try and make it happen and have your dreams come true. But it really, it's got to be really important. You know, just come back to be part of the team, to hang out, to travel to a couple meets. You know, I can think of a, a, a lot of different things that I could do with whatever that uh, tuition is going to cost. Uh, besides putting myself through all that training. But if it's something that you're really passionate about and it's something that you think you can devote your time to and devote your basically you know mental fortitude to I wish you nothing but the very best of luck because I think that's going to be the ultimate factor that's going to determine how successful and how accountable you are to this endeavor is really what what type of mindset do you have is it uh, Revenge? Is it out of spite? Is it out of I had a horrible meet, so I'm coming back to redeem myself? Because those inspirational thoughts uh, are good. You know, they last for a little bit of time, but when it's uh, you know February and you're trying to get a discus session in or shot or hammer, and there's two feet of snow on the ground and there's nobody there. And it's just you. That's those are just training sessions that are going to make the biggest difference in accomplishing these goals or not. Because if you decide to call it and say, "Man, it's too cold. It's too rainy. It's too this. It's too that," nobody's going to know but you, right? I don't. I don't think I've had like athletes like blatantly lie about things at the post collegiate level. <clears throat> because the effort that you put in is just going to rear itself at a competition. So you show up to a meet, you haven't trained in two weeks, <clears throat> you expect to throw, I don't know, 60 meters and whatever, and you throw 52, and you say, Coach, I don't know what happened. We looked through the logbook, and you haven't put a training session in in 14 days because life happened. You know, then, then you really need to sit down and think about how, how you'll be able to salvage that season and not have it be worse uh, mentally than it was the year before. So expectations of maybe throwing far, but then other expectations too, other ways to keep uh, you as the athlete accountable because when there's nobody else there, it's really just you and your implements. Thank you very much for listening to part two of coming back for the revenge season, the COVID tour. 
My name is Dr. Charles Inferna. You've been listening to the Forks Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast. Have a great day.